Good morning. I thought maybe we'd have more Coolio playing, maybe next time. Um, I'm also appreciative of Rachel reading Psalm 23. She joked about reading something of her favorite, and I thought, I'll just go with that, and we'll see where the morning heads. So, welcome. Uh, happy February. We are uh, in full-blown winter, apparently. We are in f- week five of our series on Psalm. This is a Psalm where we're, this is a series where we're stepping into this Psalm 23, and we're pacing ourselves verse by verse through the Psalm, asking what King David, I like to call him King Davy, what King David might be able to express to us uh, that's characteristic of the Good Shepherd, that's characteristic of our God. In week one, this is just brief, this is real brief. In week one, we looked at the good shepherd as the provider and the protector, where we lack nothing, where we have everything we could possibly need for a time such as this. And then in week two, Charlie led us into better understanding kind of the Judean hillside and wilderness as we looked at the good shepherd as the perfect chaperone who would take us from one green pasture to the next. And if you missed that week, it could be interesting to return to that and and view it or listen to it. It'll, it'll make you think of green pastures like you've never thought of green pastures. And perhaps some of us are still uh, challenged by that today. In week three, we looked at the good shepherd who is the guide along the paths of righteousness. And then last week, Allie took us into better understanding the good shepherd as present and with us amidst kind of those highest joyful moments of life that we love to celebrate and remember and those deepest, darkest, painful moments, we might choose to go back and edit if we could. But the good shepherd who's with us through all of it. And then today we're looking at the good shepherd as, as our strength that sustains us along the way. As our strength that sustains us along the way. We're going to look at what it looks like for us who, who live life full of troubles, <laughs> And encounter moments where we're tired again, or we're jaded, or we're just spent, or we're exhausted, and we kind of need a break, or, or we're looking on the horizon and we see all the impending doom coming. Today we're going to look at what it's like to encounter that image of impending doom and experience this grateful absurdity uh, we call Christ in the midst of it. Now, a quick note, uh, David is, he's changing everything on us. David is changing the metaphor in verse 5. We've been looking at the shepherd and the sheep, and now we're going to be looking at a host, a banquet host, and his honored guest. Um, But he begins to kind of weave these things together. He says, you prepare a table before me, this is verse 5, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint... You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Now, what we know of David is that he's no stranger to trouble. He's no stranger to enemies. He's no stranger to conflict. This is someone who was despised by his siblings, hated by his siblings, hated by King Saul, hunted by him, own dead. He inherited a kingdom. It was divided. It was in all this conflict. Even his family was ultimately torn apart by a ton of strife and violence, and he even had to flee and run for his own own life 
from his own son. So he knows a thing or two about impending dangers. And so he talks to us about preparing it, finding a table prepared for him amidst them. And this might begin to strike us a little differently. David begins to paint a picture of a person who is strengthened by this table, who's strengthened by Christ, who's strengthened by God, the good shepherd, in the face of these inevitable challenges, in the face of inevitable conflict. Charlie sent me this story this week of this guy who had a dream. Um, and he, he talks about, I dreamt that I was in a battle. And it, and I, it was a violent battle, and high conflict, and sore, hand-to-hand combat is how he's talking about it. And then all of a sudden, he says in this dream, this waiter showed up beside him. This waiter with like a handkerchief, like a towel on his arm, who had this perfect accent. And asked him, sir, would you like the soup or the melon? And he was struck by this in his dream of how he's like, I'm engaged in war. I'm engaged with something. This is dangerous. And this apparent waiter beside him who shows up kind of unconcerned with the activity surrounding him, asking him, eh, would you like this? Or would you try to, like, this one's particularly tasty. And it begins to give us an image of what David is talking about when he's talking about a table that's prepared for him in the midst of it all. A table that's prepared for him in the midst of it all. Now, it's, it's likely that the table David is thinking about when he's writing this psalm is this meal that follows the sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is this festival um, where everyone in the community is invited to dine. And by everyone, I mean like all of them, including enemies, are invited to come and dine at this meal together. This includes the person in the community who lied to you <laughs> or stole from you or took your job, or hurt you, or broke your heart. It includes those people in the community that you think less favorably of. The person who flipped you off on the way to church this morning in your car. The person you flipped off uh, on your way to church this morning in your car. And it, kinda, and, it begins to, and it begins to speak to a similar table that we know of in the New Testament. This table that Matthew talks about in chapter 26, where the disciples are together with Christ before his arrest, the night before his arrest. And what Matthew records for us is that Jesus is reclining at this table with the 12, which would also include Judas, who verses before, if you read Matthew, who verses before he's, is meeting with the high priests to barter a sale to barter a way to, to betray Jesus and hand him over. So Judas figures all this out. They make an agreement. All right, this is what's going to, somehow it's going to involve a kiss. Could get worse. And then he goes to dinner with Jesus in this upper room. And it's there that Christ is at the table with his enemy, 
and he knows about it. He's aware of this. It's not unclear to Jesus what's happening. He's there beside his enemy, and he extends him forgiveness. This is my body broken. This is my blood shed for you. And in this very real scene in the New Testament, it's alluding to that table that David is talking back in 23 about, of this table set before me. Except in this sense, this is beautiful. In this sense, Jesus doesn't simply prepare a meal for his friends. He becomes the meal for his friends. He doesn't simply prepare the table. He becomes the table for his friends. He says, I am the bread of life. If you feed on me, you will live. Now, David talks about the table in the present sense. You prepare a table for me right now. And that's not always how we think about the table with Christ. We can think sometimes, oh, well, this is the table. This is something that God did once upon a time. Or this is something that God does from time to time. But the way David's talking about it is that it's present. This is something that God does all the time for all of his people, always. And that's what Jesus is demonstrating at this Last Supper together. This is my body. This is my blood. It's now. And again and again and again. And again, he's saying, I'm always preparing the table where we may come to find strength. Now, if you're like me, I can, I can, I can think of some enemies in life. Like some folks where I'm like, wow, I think we're against each other. I think I was against my two-year-old yesterday. <laughs> That's true. He was having this moment. I was like, I think it's you and I. I think someone's got to win. Uh, I think you're going to win. Uh, Right? We have enemies, and they can surprise us anywhere we look. And so we can think of them. They might be figurative. They might be out there. They might be coming to mind. They might be internal conflict. It's not that we don't have conflict. And we come and, in a sense, we're facing, like, like this, that, that dream was, we're facing this battle scene and we're looking at all this trouble and we're thinking, Lord, do you notice any of this? Do you see what I see? Because this looks really threatening. And he goes and throws you an apple. And you're like, huh? But I thought, and he goes, take a bite. And you take a bite of the apple. And he, he's reminding you that we're not only ever just feeding on food, that when we come to the table, <laughs> these elements, we're feeding on him again and again and again and again and again in the face of whatever we're facing, amidst whatever we're facing. And when we come to the table, we're not simply dining on delicious food, soup or melon. We get to dine on him. And that's the table David is reminding us of. 
And when, we're ta- and when David begins talking about oil, and then we'll talk about cup, and then we'll kind of come full circle. But when David begins talking about oil, what he's reminding us of, and he's mixing these metaphors here, because the shepherd, remember that we're constantly returning to, has these ointments on him. And he uses these ointments at the end of every single day for his sheep. Because his sheep are out there, and they're on rocky soil, there's troublesome territory, terrain, and they're, they're getting wounded, right? Cut along the way. They're traveling through bushes and just getting cut. They're wandering off getting cut. <laughs> come back, come back. And, we, and the shepherd uses an ointment to restore a wound, like Neosporin. He treats it. He revives it. He's talking about this is the activity that occurs in returning to the table where we revive something. Ah, something is returned. Life is returned to us. Now, Jesus is the one who said, in this world you'll have trouble. We don't have to look far for that. It's troublesome out there. In this world there will be trouble. But it is also Jesus who talks about, I tell you those things, I tell you these things so that my joy my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He says, come to the table. You need joy? Come to the table. I am joy. Come and feast. What he's saying is what we need, he has. And that applies to all of us. (laughs) What we need, he has. We have an appetite, for a need, and he has it. You know, you want to try the soup or the melon in the midst of it all. You're welcome. What is the need? Isaiah doesn't speak of pardon, needing pardon. I've got, he needs pardon. He doesn't just speak of pardon. He speaks of abundant pardon. And that's what the table offers. The psalmist doesn't speak of redemption. He speaks of plentiful Redemption. That's what the table offers. The psalmist doesn't speak of the the riches of Christ. He speaks of the unfathomable riches of Christ. Jesus doesn't speak of giving you life. He speaks of giving you life to the full. That's what the table does. You sense you need a little bit of that? Come here. You'll be surprised in what you find. And some of us have bumped into those things that we know we need. And we go, yeah. And we think about it like, yeah, I needed that once upon a time. Or I need that, you know, time and again. And Jesus is saying, nah, as often as you need it, I am here. As often as you require it, you can come to me. As often as you find appetite, find satisfaction here with me. I am this to you. Now, one grossly misunderstood uh, perspective or understanding of the Christian life is, uh, like, it's, like, it sucks. Like, it's really bad, but wait, because heaven's good. That's like a grossly misrepresented understanding. But it's like, life's bad, heaven's good, just endure it until we get there, you'll thank me in the end. And that's not what David's talking about. <laughs> he talks about, my cup overflows now. Somehow, somewhere, 
some way. My cup is overflowing now. And when David communicates that his cup is overflowing, he's not, <laughs> he's not simply drawing attention to something that there's a lot of. He's drawing attention to something that, that represents more than you could possibly keep or need. And that there is a resource of that that is bottomless. That it will never, ever, 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 ever run out. I don't know if that's enough evers. That's the overflowing concept. When he's talking about my cup overflows, he's pointing us to, hey, when you, when the, you go to the shepherd, he will overflow into you that, in a way that doesn't run out. And we get to say, okay, so what does that mean for me in my life? We get invited back into the table. See, David is acutely aware of the trouble in his life. But he, his cup overflows. He is in the valley, as Ali talked about last week. But his cup overflows. His enemies are present, but his cup overflows. And that is the absurdity of the Christian life. It's that in this life, there is trouble. And there is the table. There is conflict. And there is Christ. There is suffering. And there is strength is how David is reminding us of these things. In a way, he's saying, hey, wherever you are, that's exactly where we need to be. Come from there. Come and participate. Come and join me. And so the real question almost becomes, how much do you want? As if the waiter were beside you, like, a little bit more? Would you like some more? Like some more? Would you like some more? And we get to go to the table set before us in the midst of all the conflict around us, perhaps inside. <laughs> and we get to say, Lord, I need to feast on you. Do you come satisfy this appetite in me? This appetite for anger, for vengeance, this appetite for being right all the time this appetite to regain you know, my own dignity in the spite of this thing that's going on in my life. Would you come and greet me in this context too? And the table always greets us with abundance, with an exaggeration of what we could possibly imagine. Amen? Ooh. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you are up to in and around each of us. Thank you for always offering yourself as the table where we might meet you in the face of whatever we're 
encountering. Lord, I pray that you might guide us and strengthen us in a way that we might recognize it's by your grace we approach the table to begin with. And it's by your grace that we receive you at the table. We love you and we trust you and it's in your holy and precious, precious name. Amen. Amen.